We have a special guest, Dr. Squee, here. I know we were supposed to be on hiatus for a while, and, and you know we've already done a couple episodes during our supposed hiatus, so it is Sunday, and there's been some big Doctor Who news, so let's just get right to it. He didn't show his face yet. I want to see his face. It's a girl? The doctor's a girl? Yes! Now it sounds like a Mexican song. Arriba! Doctor Who. Doctor Who theme song. In Toronto, Canada. My name is Paul the Book Guy, sometimes known as Paul Alves. I have a great guest today, Dr. Squee. And I apologize, Dr. Squee, that uh, now before every, every episode begins, you're going to hear that in your head. Doctor Who theme song. That's absolutely fine. I'd just like to apologize that I've always pronounced your name Alves. So Alves, I will correctly pronounce it in the future. <laughs> no no I, worries. I'd like... <laughs> Sorry, go on. What were you going to say? No, I said no worries. No worries at all. Okay, good. So, I was so, just going to say also that was a wonderfully Canadian type intro that you did there. <laughs> First of all, there's um, apologizing for doing a show during hiatus, <laughs> which is very like Canadian work ethic. Look, I'm sorry, we're on hiatus, but I'll do a show anyway, eh? And then you also apologize for doing Dog 2 episodes. It's like, well, look, if you don't want to listen to it, just don't. Just listen to the next one. It's all cool. <laughs> you know, there's a, there's a lot of truth to that because uh, like on the subway in, in Toronto, Someone will bump into you with their giant bag and you'll say, sorry, you know, and to an outsider, it looks like I'm apologizing for being hit by your bag. But in Canadian, it really means don't hit me with your bag, douche. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, so it's just to the outsiders like me that you seem really polite. Yeah, but it's just this subtle secret code that we have. Sorry when someone hits you is, dude, you hit me. Come on. (laughs) So you're just uber subtle with the... (laughs) Basically, the British sarcasm. That's right. That's right. We got it, we got it from our uh, our forefathers, the British. Absolutely. It finally makes sense why you've still got the Queen on the money. Uh, so, so, folks, we are going to talk Doctor Who all day long. Uh, and it is the day when uh, the 13th Doctor, spoiler alert. Oh, I should bring up my spoiler alert. Where is it? There, there you go. For you constant listeners. Uh, big spoiler alerts. Uh, if you're uh, staying off the internet, uh, if you're living in a cave waiting for the uh, Doctor Who Christmas special. Uh, there's a lot of spoilers here. Uh, there's no point, uh, you know, just stop the episode. So today... Uh, well, might was... I say, just just very quickly, I love the fact your spoiler alert is the cloister bell, which is impending danger, yeah. which given the news that you're about to break, you know, yes. it's been very emotive. To some people, that's applicable. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. And that's that's me. been our spoiler alert since like episode one. Um, and some of the Arhuvian... Uh, 
listeners get it. Uh, yeah, and, and big danger, big danger always when, uh, you know, when doctor, when the actor changes, uh, I mean, in the real world, not in the uh, fictional world, there's always a danger that that new actor or that new portrayal or that idea, is, it's going to ruin the show and that's it. I mean, uh, it was never more uh, worried about than when uh, William Hartnell had to leave the show. Um, and uh, as a lot of people, a lot of us look at Peter Capaldi as, you know, the, the first doctor of the new, uh, you know, regeneration cycle. Uh, we're almost at the same point where this this is almost a shock, uh, as big a shock to the modern day audience as uh, Patrick Troughton showing up was to the, uh, you know, back in the day. And, and of course, we're talking yeah. about uh, the 13th Doctor today uh, being announced as being a female, being Jodie Whittaker. Um, looks wonderful. I've, I've, I haven't seen too much of what she's done because I'm a Canadian. I'm sure you've seen a lot more of her material than I have, but I am certainly going to be digging through... Uh, uh, Netflix and, and, and IMDb dumpster diving to, to see what she's all about. Well, um, the one which she's most known for over here certainly is Broadchurch, uh, which was uh, re- made in America as, um, I forget what the name was, but it wasn't as good. Anyway, uh, it's still a dead tenant in it, but that's not the point. Right. Uh, so if you check out Broadchurch, she's in all three series of that. Yeah, um, I, I enjoy that. Chibnall worked on. I, I love the the tenant one, and I, I would love to. Yeah, I'll go back. I think that's going to be my first pick of, of of looking at what she's in. Well, tenant was in both. So tenant was in the UK original Broadchurch, and Grace Point. That was it. Was the American remake, which oh, he you're was kidding also me! I, I thought he was just in Grace Point. No, no, no. He came over to do that after doing Broadchurch. He'd done two series of Broadchurch. He went over to do Grace Point, and then he came back to do the last series of Broadchurch. And, you know, every time I think that I, I, I know all Doctor Who uh, facts and trivia, every time I meet another fan, I learn something new. Oh, it's all good. <laughs> and apparently she's also in Attack the Block, which I need to check out, which is uh, uh, Paul Cornish, I think it is, uh, directed that. Um, and what was the other one? Um, I think she was in Skins, the UK original one. Um, and there was another one which I mentioned to me earlier, which I can't remember now. But uh, so, yeah, there's lots which you can check out. Basically, I mean, I've seen her here and there on TV, on UK TV, just one of those people who kind of pops up on shows every now and again. She is a fantastic actress, like just straight off the bat. Let's just go for that. She's a great. In fact, I'm trying to train myself specifically here to say actor because I do like the word actress just because I think it's just yes, it's not insulting. It's just a different gender. No, and there, there but, are many actresses who prefer the term actor. Yeah, I mean, but specifically in this case, I want to use the term actor just because I don't want her seen as as that different. I think to me, if you get the right person playing the Doctor, it doesn't matter their gender. Like, it just has to be written well and they have to have a good angle and a good way of portraying it. Like, uh, Capita Capaldi was very different to the, the Doctors before in the new show, certainly. And even, like, you know, in any of the original ones. So... But but like she's she's a good actor. Just just let's start with that. That she's a good actor. Yeah. It's it, from that perspective at least. Even if you've got a problem with the lady doctor thing, just just know she's good. Uh, it would certainly, in my opinion, anyway. Wow, fantastic! And I'm sure there's going to be a lot of uh, you know, uh, and there already is a lot of conflict through fandom. There are a lot of people oh, yes. who are adamant that the doctor is a male. But I, I mean, even even in the the recent series, he's already alluded to having been female in the past there's a point in one of the recent episodes where he uh, he basically says that um he's trying to recall whether he was male or female in the past so someone who's never been female wouldn't have to think about it 
Mm. You know. I mean, the, my argument there is it's more a case of he doesn't see gender, I think was the idea, more than he has been female in the past. Because as far as we know, we've had all the doctors now, including the world uh, doctor. I, I think I that's a trick you can only pull once, really. I, I don't know about that. I mean, for someone who we've seen, uh, you know, has great attention to the smallest details, and sometimes that's how he solves the mystery or, you know, saves the day. I, I think he would notice what's in his pants. I'm well, just you saying. You say that, but, but they, they made the whole argument with, like, Clara that he didn't realize if she was old or young. Like, for me, the, the argument I've always made about this particular doctor, about Capaldi, I think he may be the first autistic doctor. And I don't mean there's an insult or a, a, a flippant thing. I think if you look at the kind of traits he has of um, not obeying social norms, not realizing when something's being seen as good or bad by other people, not realizing if someone else is old or young, they just see them as that person. Some of those are classic autistic traits. I, I think that's a great way to describe it, actually. He, he's brought back that alien quality. Uh, we see that he's struggling with somewhere in his mind. He's struggling to, to you know do everything that he does at the same time trying to figure out what's a male and what's a female you know or or yeah small little uh things that he doesn't notice um but yeah uh i i just love capaldi and uh, it's sad to see the back of him uh not only does he bring that new not new but he, he brings back that alien quality but at the same time he manages to slip in 50 years of doctor who into his performance such little subtle things that uh, sometimes i only notice in like the third rewatch where he breaks into Tom Baker and, and finishes, you know, w with some Peter Davison, you know, and I'm sure that's not even in the script. That's just Peter Capaldi. He's fantastic. Oh, of course. Yeah. I mean, there's a heavy dose of uh, John Pertwee in there, which I believe uh, Capaldi said was his kind of favorite doctor. He like he he was born into a, a world where there wasn't a doctor and he saw all the doctors as they came along, like from uh, the very first episode. And like, I love the fact that when he, they were doing his first interview as uh, being announced as the doctor, they read out a letter he'd written to the Radio Times. I think about the first doctor and it was, it's just magical that, that he's so... Um, steeped in Doctor Who mythology as a fan as well as an actor. Yeah. So I think all those sorts of touches, as you say, I bet a lot of them were put in there by Stephen Moffat, who's also a kind of a bit of a geek for those kind of details, but also a lot of them, I bet, just were chucked in by uh, Capaldi just going, oh, yeah, I could I could do a bit of uh, Baker there. Either Tom <laughs> or Colin, you just let me know, you know? So so there's a... there's a, a You don't mind if I go into the rumors and spoilers. These are... I, I have no facts. These are all rumors floating around the internet. Yeah, go for it. Yeah. So, so, so there's uh, rumors for the Christmas episode that uh, we are going to finally see... Uh, his uh, prequel, we'll call it, scene in uh, Day of the Doctor tie back in with uh, the Christmas special. And, you know, uh, we, uh, there's been you know a lot of uh, speculation through the fandom that uh, the attack eyebrows are actually part, you know, are going to be a part of his uh, regeneration scene. And, and, and some of us are just hoping that at some point he could work in a fuckity buy. <laughs> that would be fun but i mean for me it's it's very moffat to do that to tie in all these things so we've seen that so moffat likes to tie in things later so yeah. i think that's very much him to do the uh why not have his last adventure be his first and someone even uh proffered the idea to me that maybe that's how the first doctor learns mm -hmm. that they've got to do this throughout all their regeneration work these calculations is that he learns it from capaldi doing it right Ah, yes, yes. So he finds out from the end of it that he has to start it. 
which is a nice little idea. That's brilliant. That's brilliant. Yeah, I mean, I, know, I, I really wish I could. In fact, no, I thought of it myself. Sod whoever actually did. Uh, let's let's just pretend I came up with that. No, no, it was someone much, <laughs> much quicker than me. But uh, the other thing which I've heard, which I don't know if you've heard this rumour, is that apparently they're going for it. And it's a wonderful life kind of take on the Christmas special. Yeah, and but, I, I can see it happening. But uh, but I'm going to disagree a bit with that. I'm going to think it's more of a, a Christmas carol. They're going to revisit that whole uh, setup. Because we already have... The, you know, the ghost of Christmas past, we have the first doctor. We could even get a few minutes of Tom Baker as the curator's, you know, a Christmas future. We we have Jodie Whittaker, you know, the ghost of Christmas future. Uh, present, you got uh, Peter, da- uh, sorry, I was going to say Peter Davison, Peter Capaldi uh, as the present. And now you have also have magical deus ex machina girl uh, with Bill that can, you know, fly him to every point in his life so we can see old footage and, and she can throw him into it and make him watch it. So you got like that magical ghost that can actually transport him. Now, I think we are going to see more of a, a Christmas Carol and seeing as that, you know, it's Christmas, uh, I'm, I'm going to be betting on Christmas Carol and basically uh, someone telling him, you know, this is, uh, this is your life and maybe you want to regenerate. And of course the TARDIS has already brought him back to, you know, his first regeneration, uh, having the same issue the TARDIS just says, come on, man, Ugh. just throws him there, you know, trying to figure see, it out. <laughs> I, I, I see some flaws with that. Only that, that if he was the Christmas present, he's also the doctor. So if you're going to do that, the Christmas present would surely be Jodie Whittaker somehow. Um, the I don't know. I mean, just the fact that they've done a Christmas Carol leads me to believe well, they're not I, going to. It, it, and you've said it's you've said it's Christmas, so the Christmas yeah. Carol. And if it's Christmas, what's more Christmas than it's a wonderful life? And it's something they haven't yeah, done. That's true. That's and basically true. the first doctor becomes Clarence, showing him why it's important to regenerate and why regeneration is so important. And in the same way they did in the Christmas Carol episode, you can do a take on it. So you've got elements of it, but it's not exactly the same. But but, but you, you know, but, but the first doctor appears to be in the same mindset as, as Capaldi. Because he, he's saying the exact same thing. I don't want to change. So we're going to get to the point where, you know, Capaldi's going to be convincing his past self to regenerate. Otherwise, he's going to lose about 2,000 years. You know, it'll be an interesting unless, dialogue. Unless he isn't actually the first doctor. Like, he's a vision of the first doctor, which the 12th doctor is seeing in his messed up regenerational state. Because mm. we don't know if this is actually happening, what he's seeing, or if it's happening... In real time, like obviously we're going to have a hour-long Christmas special, but is that going to actually happen over the course of an hour, or is it going to happen in a blink of an eye in real time while the doctor's regenerating? He's seeing all this. Interesting. How's that one? Yeah, maybe everything happens in his head, and then when he kind of wakes up, he looks forward, and he's right there in the day of the doctor. <laughs> yeah, like who knows? I mean, maybe he just experiences all this in some sort of like almost vision quest if you like through his regeneration because the one thing i sort of don't want um is i i didn't like it when david Tennant was regenerating and he went to get his reward yeah. and went to see every yeah, single they're drawing it out regeneration took what five days to regenerate regeneration yeah. is dying and if they're saying it's dying you can't have it take that long like uh the the uh, Oh, yeah, I didn't like that. I, did, I didn't like that whole thing that he had enough time to visit all his companions. I don't mind them having a little while, because you can take yeah. a little while to die, but that was just ridiculous. He had the energy to go and do that. Right. Oh, speaking of that, you know what? Let's talk a little bit about the, the actual reveal today um, and, and the teaser that came out a few days ago. Um, there's a theme that no one's really talking about, which is 
that whole uh, the TARDIS key on the you know on the pedestal, almost like Excalibur, just sitting there. That was in the first uh, trailer, and then in the in the in the reveal, we see her, you know, reaching out, and all of a sudden, you know, the key materializes in her hand. She looks up, the TARDIS is there, and just that smile on her face, like, yeah, here we are. So I think there's going to be some kind of theme where, for some reason, the TARDIS is rejecting the new Doctor, or something's going to be happening where where the TARDIS is gone. Maybe it's damaged, taken away. But I'm just thinking that the TARDIS is actually going to reject the Doctor and, and lock him or her out. And, and one of my theories is that he's been holding all this regeneration energy. And, and the last time he did that, you know, threw a, he th- last time he threw it into a jar with a hand in it, out, out popped two Time Lords instead of one. So I'm just saying he's been holding back a lot of regeneration energy. I'm sure some of it goes in the ground and is going to help Missy at some point. But he's been holding it back. And what's going to happen? And I hate to say it because I always make fun of people that come up with valued theories. Two Time Lords out of one regeneration. One is the female, one is the male. Both claim to be the Doctor. Only one will get the key. I'm just putting it out there, Dr. Squee. I'm just putting it out there. Okay, okay. I I can't see I'm seeing any of that. The only thing which I think would be interesting in there... uh, Sorry, that's so condescending. Sorry, I'm tired. No, no, it's fine. My my British condescension is... I I appreciate that because that was a total Hail Mary theory. I just want to put it on tape so that should it happen, (laughs) I'm going to play it off like I'm psychic. (laughs) Like if he he is still in the vicinity of where he left Missy, which I... I'm not sure he's close enough to see anything, but I love the idea that that some of his regenerational energy spills onto her somehow. That would kind of be really interesting. I think realistically, with that one, you're probably just going to have the master goes away for a long time, and then yeah. later, yeah, the master or Missy turns up in a new regeneration, and that'll happen. Um, but I love the idea that yeah, somehow his regenerational energy helped helped her. That would have been really cool. But you know what? Even but if she dies, she is dead for good. Now, you know, Time Lord dies, right? We get the whole rift in space and time, right? The big thing opens up. We've seen it on screen. Now, what happens What happens when that rift in space and time, the, the grave of a Time Lord, occurs inside a black hole? Oh, you mean so in like uh, uh, in the um, Trenzalore kind of uh, scenario? Right. So when her body finally, her body and her, you know, we've, we've heard the term the second body of the Time Lords. When it's all gone, she's dead. And when that thing opens up, it's in the middle of a black hole. I don't think there is always that rift. I think that was a unique thing to the... T- it was to do with the TARDIS and the Doctor and the Time Lords being in another dimension. I think that was all kind of linked in because we have actually seen... Now, you see, this is where I get proper geeky about this. <laughs> if you go back to the twin dilemma in Colin Baker's time, we see someone just regenerating to death. We've seen the Master actually die before in John Sims' time yeah. and not open up a rift. I think that was a unique thing to that time. I don't think that's something that happens every time a Time Lord dies. It, it was a me. rubbish plot device. <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, yeah, but, I mean, it kind of worked in the plot at the time, but it, like doing that every time would be, yeah, because if like every time a, a time lord died, that happens. So, yeah, I, I love that after them. like fifty plus years, there's still mystery in the regeneration process. It hasn't been explained oh, to us. It's fantastic. Yeah, and and it's it's you know it's kind of one of those things whereby. Like, these are the existing rules. If you can find something around that that you can add, why not? And that's why, to me, like, the female Doctor works fine. It's like, okay, up until the new series, we didn't hear about there being a female um, 
a female type, like a male to female or female to male right. change of a Time Lord. But unless the Doctor came up in one episode and said, by the way, companion, this is very important. I can never change into a different sex. Anyway, what were we doing with the Valiard? <laughs> you know, unless they put in a line like that, right. there's no reason why they can't add that. And it's sci-fi. Even if they did say that, they'll find a way around it, right? I mean, yeah, and I will just say this, just because I feel like you and I are both, you know, like you pro-female Time Lord, are you okay with that happening with the Doctor? I think it's brilliant. I think, uh, although I I did jokingly today tweet out the picture of Franzi jumping the shark. Um, (laughs) You know, as someone in in one of my previous incarnations, I worked in uh, television production, and and I kind of saw this coming because clearly uh, Missy was a, uh, you know, was, was a toe in the water. Uh, they were looking for the, you know, the the reaction to this, uh, you know, a, a very important character in the series. They, you know, it was a big chance, um, and 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 everyone loved her, just loved her. Yeah, and and for me, I mean, even then there was detractors, but there always are. But to to me, it felt like the right time. But I just want to say though that before we get on to our kind of love of this idea, which I think we both got. I just want to say to anyone who doesn't, I get it. Like, I, I honestly, I just want to say, because I've kind of got this, there was almost an, a slight angst I got when I saw the kind of reaction online, not just at some more vile comments. And if you're making vile comments, then really that's not on. But if you're just someone who feels like this has always been the show I love and now it's changed and I don't like that change, I can I can accept that. I don't I don't agree with it, but I can accept it and I get it. Like, you love this show so much and it's, done a really big change and as a Hoovian, my feeling is when part of my tribe if you will feels like that that kind of feels hurtful to me it's like i don't want to lose any of my mates who like doctor who from liking doctor who i don't like the fact that they feel like they've lost their show again some of the reactions and some of the reasons haven't been so nice and that i don't excuse but i, I just want to say to any any doctor who fans who kind of do feel a bit isolated by this change I sort of feel for you as a, a brother Hoovian or a sister Hoovian or a transgender or a uh, non-gendered Hoovian, whatever you are, I, I, I can get it. You know what I mean? Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, you know, I, I love the change. I, I, this is going to be exciting. I'm going to tune in to see, you know, how they're, how she's going to portray the character. At the same time, BBC, again, spoiling everything online in an official capacity where even like Doctor Who fanboards who who are very careful about spoilers have no choice but to reveal this. And, they, they, you know, uh, I just got to say right now to the BBC team, and I keep saying it on Twitter and I've emailed them, um, don't spoil every episode. Just let just just tell us, give me a great episode next week. You know, that, that whole thing with John Sim, you know, doing his Castro Valve impression. Had I not been spoiled that John Sim was in that episode... And I really did stay off the Doctor Who on the on the web, but but it, uh, it got spoiled on television on an official BBC trailer. If I had not seen that, I might have been fooled for a few minutes. It would have been so much fun to realize that the guy with the long hair, you know, bending over with the cane, just like in Castro Valva, was the master, and that that was spoiled. And they've done you know, it all year long. The BBC on that one, in that particular one, and I do know what you mean because there's been a few times the BBC even out and out done that. Yeah. But on that that particular one, it was a newspaper over here which actually leaked that. So I think the BBC were like, oh, well, if it's going to get revealed, at least we want to be the one doing the revealing. Right. So because the newspaper had released it, it was like, well, let's get ahead of it as much as we can. And well, no, no offense to you in England, but I mean, uh, the odds that I had read that 
you know, article in an English yeah. paper were very low, but as soon as it comes on my television, I have yeah, no choice the, anymore. The odds that you've seen that particular one, but then once that article goes out, how much does it get retweeted? How much do people write oh, yeah. about it? How much does mm-hmm. it then appear in other blogs yeah. or websites? It goes and everywhere. Stuff? It's like one of those things where you won't have seen the original source, but probably you would have got the information and not from the BBC. And I can understand why they want... Like well, I at least don't want to give the review. Maybe to maybe the casting spoiling yeah. is is uh, you know it's a bit uh, yeah maybe I can't ask for that but I mean you know all, they've gotten to down to like minute plot details being spoiled in in the trailers. I mean they're, they're, it's yeah. awful. Yeah. yeah, no, I do know what you mean. I mean, I even feel like they did that in one of the episodes of this series. It really annoyed me that they had done that wonderful setup with the vault, and then one episode they just basically say, "Oh yeah, and it's missing in there." There was no. Oh. Like real ta-da about it, you know what I mean? They they set up this wonderful vault thing where we didn't know who was in there, and then within the first five minutes of one of the episodes, they just told us. Right. It was like a spoiler in an episode. <laughs> That's really weird. How do you spoil something in the actual episode? That's a talent. Uh so Doctor Squee, we've been talking Doctor Who for near on twenty-seven minutes now, uh, and yeah. we haven't asked you who you are and what you do. For the book guys audience, uh, I know for the Gallifrey stands audience, they're they're you know they're they're tuning out right now. They're going to go for a beer. They're going downstairs. They're going to maybe go outside have a cigarette. But uh, tell us a bit about yourself and tell us about your your podcast Gallifrey stands, which I love and enjoy. Thank you. I mean, I kind of I, I I sort of at the same time love uh, representing my podcast, but at the same time I almost want to go out time for a cigarette because i know i don't even smoke just because i don't want to hear myself say this again <laughs> but at the same time i'm happy to go through it um yeah so it's a weekly podcast it sort of started off um as me just kind of seeing if i could do a podcast by just why well, i always kind of characterize as talking into the void so it's just me sitting there and i did some episode guides the first few episodes i jokingly uh, called myself dr squee partly because of the job I was doing at the time as a counsellor and I work in kind of care work now. So mm-hmm. there's kind of a reason why I keep my name off stuff in that way. Um, right. But I jokingly also made my dog my co-host, uh, Dottie or Dottie Who, as she's known on the podcast, because I thought, sod it, I'm not going to wrangle humans because that's a pain in the ass. <laughs> and then after doing a few episodes, I sort of, I had this really rubbish old laptop and I was kind of always worried that it wouldn't record if I did an interview but I just summed up enough courage to to arrange an interview with an author who um, is a big Dog T fan. So I did an interview with this guy called Stuart Bint, lovely guy. And I just sort of built from them. Then I started doing interviews with someone who'd been on the show. The first one, I believe, was Simon Fisher-Becker, who played uh, Dorian Malvador in uh, some of the Matt Smith ones. Wow. And then I started getting on some companions, like Daphne Ashbrook was the first companion, which I got from the TV movie. And since then, I've had... People who've played the Doctor on, like um, we've had uh, Peter Davidson, Colin Baker and Sylvester McCoy. Uh, We have an intro from um, Peter Capaldi, which I'm extremely proud of, thanks to my brilliant news team um, from the uh, IndieMacUser.co.uk. That's Ben and Lewis, and they do kind of a couple of segments on my show. So one of them's a news one, and the other one is a review of all the Big Finish audios. So kind of close to your book guy thing uh, in audiobook. Um, and basically it's just built from there. So sometimes I do, um, a few episode guide ones when there's new episodes or looking back at the old episodes or even the classic ones. Sometimes I've had writers on, uh, we've done a couple of Christmas plays, which we get, um, stars from Doctor Who to do cameos in. And nice. I write and produce those myself. And I, I 
very very vainly play the doctor myself uh but i think the plays are pretty good anyway and uh, so they're awfully fun and we do uh, raise money for charity doing those so last year we raised um somewhere between 350 400 pounds for uh, pancreatic cancer research so that was really cool fantastic um and yeah we do a sort of silly christmas special every year where we talk about the christmas episodes as well so that's kind of in a very very big nutshell what we do <laughs> i love it i love it get those nerds nerds, nerds! we're birds of a feather <laughs> pretty much yeah and um uh, the most fun thing is having a dog as your co-host you can be interviewing some of the most interesting people from around the world via the magic of skype and your dog will start snoring in the background and i've had to actually sometimes when the interview do you nudge the said, dog awake the, yeah the interview he said just like sorry what is that someone snoring in the background i'm so sorry i promise that's my dog that's a sign you're being very interesting i swear she only snores at the best interviews oh that's fantastic yeah yeah i i i I see it as a feature, not a bug these days. I I find it's kind of quite fun. Oh, man. Love it. Gallifrey Stands. Uh, I'm a subscriber. uh, If you're a book guys listener and you're a fan of Doctor Who, you love some of the conversations. And uh, like uh, Dr. Squee just said, they've had some great guests on. Um, Love it. Love it. Jody Whitaker, looking forward to it. Um, What would be your pick? Uh, Let's not uh, not say instead of Jody. Let's say after Jody. What would be your pick? Well, I mean, we'll just say this, that with Jodie particularly, she became, she jumped up to kind of one of the people who were suspected to maybe be the Doctor or being more talked about just before they announced. Right. And it was kind of a day before. And this is something I meant to mention earlier when I did sort of Facebook Live about it. But I, when I heard that, I said, kind of dismissively, I said, oh, she's a great actress, but I'm not kind of seeing it. And then over the course of the day between that happening and then sort of sometime this morning, it just stayed in my head. Yeah. And I was yeah. starting to say, it's like, you know, someone said Jodie Whittaker. I think she'd be a really interesting choice. I think she'd be really great. So it's kind of funny because so I had a sort of day to get used to it before it was announced. But I did this sort of article where I wrote about some of the people I thought would be really interesting. So there were some obvious people which kind of always bandied about like um, Eddie Redmayne. Or as one of the older doctors, maybe um, Ian McKellen would have been interesting in some oh, sort of like. Wonderful, yeah. He probably would have done a series, but maybe he would have done a special a la uh, The War Doctor, yeah. something like that. Um, there was uh, Deb Patel, I thought would have been an interesting uh, non-white doctor, just, just for something different. Uh, one of the female kind of suggestions I made was uh, Juliet Landau, who played Drusilla in Buffy the Vampire Slayer, great actress. Mm. Um uh who else was there there was oh uh, a um some people may not know that he's actually a uh, scottish american but uh kevin mckid who's in gray's anatomy oh nice he plays yeah. dr hunt um he's actually he if you look i don't know if you know the show father ted uh yeah yeah actually i've actually uh, watched a bit of it yeah if you watch the christmas special the one christmas special they did there was an episode where it's a very silly episode where a load of priests gets lost in this department store in the bra section and they sort of do this joking. <laughs> yes, uh, yes, yes. With the elevator. Yes. World War II joke. Yeah. So it's like, like they're lot, you know, like they're stuck in the trenches and, and one priest falls over and goes, Oh no, leave me behind. No, we're not leaving anyone behind. And there's this really nervous priest. That is a thin, skinny, weedy Kevin McKidd. Mm-hmm. 
using that and he was also in train spotting so if you ever want to hear his original scottish accent um or his irish accent which he does in uh, father ted they're there but but he i think would be a really great intense kind of character but you know what i i'm just i really as soon as they announced jody i can't think of anyone else doing it now like you know there, there's so many other great choices they could have made but i'm just wondering how how she's going to play it or what she's going to play in it. I love the, um, she even looked like kind of calling those, it wasn't robes, but it looked kind of like robes that she was wearing in that teaser. Yeah. Yeah. It, lo- it looked like she was actually wearing like a kind of a Capaldi ish outfit, but with uh, like a hood underneath. Uh, and, and he has worn outfits like that where he's had the hood uh, on over the but blazer. It's druidish on her. Yeah. You know yeah. I mean? It did. It yeah. With the like whole druidic? forest going on too. Yeah. It had a kind of a druid vibe for sure. And I thought I just looked really awesome. So I, I just, you know, but but her her being Doctor Who has definitely expanded, like you're saying, uh, my especially my imagination as far as in who can play the character. But um, I, I'd say that I, I'd still be uh, a little bit disgruntled if if they ever swayed from you know your your neck of the woods, you know. Uh, yeah, let's I, go I Irish. Admit, that's the big taboo for me. Still, it's it's got to be British. I'm sorry. Right. Look, I will I will actually give it to the uh, um, Republic of Ireland. You can have an Irish one, but that's it. That's, that's that, yeah, exactly. That's exactly what I was thinking. Give, give us an Irish one, uh, you know, an Irish man or woman uh, as Doctor Who, but you know, don't even extend it to the Commonwealth. I don't want a South African Doctor or or Canadian no, Doctor. No. No, no, no. No, I mean, like, you know, if you go for Northern Ireland, that's actually still part of the UK. And, and there goes go the whole, to, you know, yeah. uh, there goes that whole, he's an alien, he can be whatever he wants out the window. There we are. He, he, we're being racist. <laughs> yeah, I'm not saying I don't have my advice. This is why I'm sort of a bit more understanding of people who can't get over the female doctor thing. Because I've got my own taboos. I, I'm like, I've got no real good justification other than perhaps the, the British sense of humour. Uh, which is there and i think that could be lost like we saw it with the tv movie as much as i enjoy the tv movie i think if we'd had a series out of that maybe it would have lost like you know there are already touches in that one which i don't like there's americanisms which i don't think fit the character and it's nothing against well you know it, it, it could have been worse at least he wasn't carrying a glock you know yeah, but I, I mean, I could picture like if uh, if in Britain we tried to do Star Trek, it wouldn't work. It's not our sensibility. I right. love Star yeah. Trek. It's one of my favorite. Show- it's probably my favorite show after Doctor Who, and I don't think we should touch it as the British. Uh, we had a British captain, fine, that worked, but it was still an American sensibility to that show. You know what I mean? Yeah, exactly. And with Doctor Who, that's such a British sensibility and sense of humor. I think that could get lost if you go to another country just just by instinct. I mean, geez, like, I, I want to give a nod to Canada now because I'm speaking to you. I love Due South, and I don't think <laughs> that should be said in England. You know, it's right. <laughs> I'm trying to think of another Canadian show, but Due South's all I've got. <laughs> there aren't too many. <laughs> yeah, you made Due South, and then you just gave we, up. We've, yeah. we've got Due South and Trailer Park Boys. That's all we got. There you go. Yeah, yeah. The two <laughs> ever Canadian shows. <laughs> I'm going to get Canadian hate mail. It's going to be the latest hate mail I've ever got. Uh, just send it to Dr. Squee. Don't send it to the book, guys. So anyway, you, you sir, what, what Paul would you pick as uh, your alternate choices for the 13th? I, you know what? I, I try not to pick. Uh, the, the only person that I, I've ever... Well, you stitched me up, didn't you? <laughs> oh, you pick him. I did. I promise I'll pick up later. I did, I did. 
Um, you know what? The only person I've ever uh, really wanted to see as Doctor Who is Warwick Davis, and and it's not a joke pick. I'm not, you know, joking about it. I, I'd love to see him in the role, and uh, you know, maybe even have Ricky Gervais as his companion, laughing at him once in a while. <laughs> you know, we, we I once had a guy on. Uh, I was at London Film and Comic Con, and uh, sometimes I get press passes for them, and this time I didn't. So I interviewed one guy who'd done some storyboarding photography. But then when I was just wandering around the store, I just started chatting to people in the stores, and we had some fun chats, and I featured some of them on the show. One of them was a character artist, and he'd done one of, um, oh, the guy from Game of Thrones, uh, the the uh, little person. Um, oh, yes. Oh, God, what, mm. What's his name suddenly escaping me? It is. Um, I'm consulting the book of knowledge because it's killing me now. He's a great actor as well. I, I love him. Like, We've talked I about him, him on the show so many them. times. My goodness. Peter and Dinklage. Anyway, him. Peter Dinklage. Peter Dinklage, of course. And we were kind of joking about him being the doctor. And like, you know, sort of seriously, I think he'd be a great actor in the role um, if you had to go outside of the UK. But they, um, we were saying about like doing special adaptions on the TARDIS, putting little steps and stuff. And <laughs> but I'm probably deeply on PC of us, but um, yeah, <laughs> you made me think of that there. Um, he, yeah, he's probably actually one of the few people I think could actually pull it off, being being from the states. See, well, well, I, I didn't even consider Peter Dinklage because he's he's an American, so I, you know. I wouldn't usually, maybe, maybe even that prejudice one day will fall with me. <laughs> it's like, I, again, like, you know, maybe the reason why I'm a little more understanding of people who can't get past it is because I I, I'd rather have a British, I'd rather have a British Jar Jar Binks CGI doctor before <laughs> having an American doctor. Sorry. <laughs> but I, I mean, I can remember when the show came back, though, and I wasn't in the bag yet for a female doctor. It's something which they've introduced into the show. And I kind of do give them a lot of credit for how they've done it. They've introduced the idea before they've done a female doctor. Yeah. And, you know, easing us in, just going, look, this is a thing. Just get a little used to it. Just dip your toe in. It's all right. Look, look, we had a female female time lord that the world didn't yeah. explode. It's all right. Well, and, I, you know, I kind of, you know, you, you, you touched on it. I, I knew she was going to be the doctor before this announcement. It was wonderful. But uh, like you said, go to the big bet makers, the bookmakers, because, uh, you know, some of these, they have millions of dollars in bets on their websites. So believe me, they go to great deal of trouble to get the right information. They've got guys, they've got, you know, uh, you know, crappily paid, but uh, still effective, you know, pr- you know, private investigators all around the, you know, the BBC offices, you know, with uh, long range zoom cameras and, you know, taking videos and, you know, they're, they're watching because that information for them is a big deal. Cause if they had her at, you know, a hundred to one, they'd lose their business and their shirt. You know, they, they, they yeah. go to a great deal. You know, they spend hundreds of thousands of dollars to get the information they need. And, and usually they're spot on. Well, I mean, let's look at Chris Marshall being a front runner for so long, which I, I wasn't, I must admit, in favor of. But they had him as a front runner because the timing of him quitting the show he'd been doing over here, right. uh, Death in Paradise, was just so, would have been perfect time to have taken up the role as the Doctor. And give him himself a little break in between times. So yeah, it makes you, if sense. you think about so it, he gets he gets spotted two or three times at the BBC offices, and now you know they keep that to themselves because they're they're making the odds, <laughs> you know. 
Yeah, exactly. So there's very good reasons why he was selected. So like you say, they they play the odds. I don't think probably they knew outright. They just had they just tied up times of things, and that's what they mm-hmm. do. They play yeah. the odds, but they also play the statistical likelihood. So the fact that Chris Marshall's just quit uh, Death in Paradise means he would be free. And the time would be exactly right. And he went into the BBC, as you say, three times in the last week. Um, and Jodie has just finished uh, uh, Broadchurch and she knows um, Chris Chibnall. And, you know, there's all this stuff which plays in her favour. And that's all they're doing is working the odds. So, yeah, it doesn't surprise me one bit that they kind of sussed it. It gets me back to what someone said earlier. I saw in one comment thread someone said, Oh, um, I think it's great, and it's about time. And I come to it, I said, well, I don't know about about time, but it feels like the right time. And that's all the only way I can think of describing it is, I don't think they missed a trick by not doing it before, but if they hadn't now done something different from a white, straight male actor, it might have seemed very samey to me. I've got to admit, when I saw a white hand coming out from that um, uh, outfit, which was purposely covering her, I was going... Oh, they just gone for another white straight male. It's just, it just, it's almost like after twelve other actors playing the role, thirteen if you, uh, of course, include the wonderful John Hurt. Then, you know, doing something different is just smart to give you yourself more um, story opportunities. Yeah, absolutely. The the only thing I could wish for more than than Jody as the Doctor is not knowing that Jody was the Doctor until Christmas. <laughs> Yeah, a lot of people said that, but just you can't do it. No. That would I mean, it would be wonderful. A wonderful Christmas present. <laughs> I mean, someone, you know, <laughs> the funniest thing is someone who doesn't like the fact that uh, a, a female has taken on the role of the doctor actually accidentally sold a story idea to me as a good idea because they said, oh, well, look, if you had them, uh, you know, if you have a female doctor, then I take it they won't be going to anything before this date because otherwise they'll get burned as a witch. And I thought, wow, wouldn't it be cool if she went back to Salem Witch Trials and she had that experience of maybe getting embroiled of it yeah. in it as a female uh, wizard to them as he, as she might appear? I thought that was a great story idea. And, and of course, the answer to that is as well. It only has to be a thing if you want it to for the story. Otherwise, you just go, well, it's the Doctor, and the Doctor just gets away with stuff. They always do that. They've always had him just turn up in places and before the um, baddie knows it, they're telling him his, their, you know, their dastardly plan. The doctor just gets away with shit. That's all you've got to get past <laughs> and you can get away with it being a woman like they did with Bill, her being black. There was one episode where they want to play with it. So they did every other episode. She was just there. Yeah. Because it, it's so easy to write around. And now we've got an idea for an awesome Salem witch trial that episode. <laughs> Absolutely. I would love to see that. Yeah, isn't that a great episode <laughs> yeah. idea? And he said it so flippantly. I was going, "That's a cool idea. You should write that into the BBC." Yeah. and then she can wear that, uh, you know, that uh, was the druid outfit that she had in the forest. <laughs> exactly, it's, it's it's already <laughs> written. I'm still crossing my fingers for uh, a Valyard storyline. I mean, I'd love to just bring back <laughs> the character the character of the Valyard anyway. It's just an awesome character, which for some reason just never got visited again but it's one of those like there's so many loose threads throughout doctor who which you could just pick up yeah. at any point but that's a big one i mean that's a big thread that's like the potential for him to become basically the master you know and using all of his powers for evil um that's yeah that's got to frighten that that's got to tie into the whole am i a good man storyline you know 
Well, that's that's why it kind of seemed a bit mad to me that they had the Dream Lord, which could have been the Valiad so easily. Yeah. And if you're going to have the dark side of the Doctor, why do another one when you've got an already existing character which fits that profile but perfectly? Maybe, maybe they're saving it for when David Tennant returns. Because, I mean, he would be brilliant as the Valiad. Maybe that human Doctor went a little haywire, you know? Maybe that's what it is. Maybe he's the hybrid. <laughs> I mean, yeah. They could tie yeah, up the Valyard storyline and the hybrid storyline all at once. Have David Tennant burn down Gallifrey. <laughs> I think the hybrid was fine. He's on Earth. He's half human. He's fine. He's good over there. He's, or in fact, he is pretty much a human. But, but you know, that's that's the character that's going to return, right? I mean, in twenty years from now, David Tennant's going to make a, a guest appearance, and they're not going to like do CGI and makeup. They're just going to say, "Hey, this is the human one from the other universe," right? That's, I, I don't I'm think guessing. you do that. I think you know. There's always a reason why you can say, "Oh, because they're both in the same place, the time differential got cancelled right. out." I think that's the excuse they've used before. And with Matt Smith, they've even got a ready written in excuse that he was on trends law aging. Oh, you know what? You're just reminding me. It's something I want to talk to you about. Uh, the, the 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 whole waste of the, the you know not waste of but yeah, I mean in, in the day of the Doctor uh, with with the possible you know cameos by all of the Doctors. And we didn't get not a you know an ounce of new audio from any of the the living uh, yeah. doctors. That was such a shame. And I'm sure that Stephen Moffat reads some of these uh, forums, and maybe he'll redeem himself for the Christmas episode and use you know Colin Baker and and, and Tom and you know Peter and and, and just everyone and Paul uh, and have them record some uh, some interesting dialogue between each other. Because all you, all you need is Peter Capaldi or Jodie Whittaker looking at 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 her screen and just have the audio. And then who cares what they look like now? Well, there, there, there's um, there's two things in that. One is they had one which they could have done so easily. Mm-hmm. They featured clips of Paul McGann from the TV movie, and they did a prequel with Paul McGann. Why not just get Paul McGann to record a couple of things? Right, just you could call up Nick Briggs. The audio, you could have the visual of a new clip of Paul McGann just chucked in there. One email to Nick Briggs, and he could have had that recorded in a weekend. I mean, they're all walking in and out of his studio. Yeah, I mean, but especially like Paul McGann, they've already established that. Um, I mean, the other doctors, I know it's nitpicky, but their voices are a bit deeper and changed yeah. because of the years. Whereas Paul McGann, oh, he's spot on that still, he yeah. was that age as the doctor. So mm-hmm. there's no reason why you couldn't have just recorded him saying something just to chuck it. Yeah, you can hear it in Tom's voice, too, in, in, in the big finish. He's got more of a guttural, you know, you can tell that his uh, his vocal cords have changed. Yeah, but with Paul McGann, there's no reason yeah. why not doing that. And it was actually quite funny because the guy who plays the audio from the first Doctor, you know, they're, mm-hmm. the, the only one which they knew, used new audio for is the first uh, Doctor um so you've got someone doing a William Hartnell impression, basically. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, so he yeah. Goes, that was cause, yeah, because he the, never said Gallifrey. Yeah, he never said what? Gallifrey. Right, exactly. Yeah, that was a new one. And so um, uh, Stephen Moffat wanted him to say Gallifrey, so that's why they got this guy called John Guyler to come in. And I actually tracked him down. And in the first audio play I did for my podcast, I got him to play the first Doctor in it in a cameo. Mm-hmm. So I wow. actually have the guy who played the first Doctor and Day of the Doctor in my first audio play, and that was one Amazing. of my kind of favorite little nods in there that I chucked in. Fantastic! Yeah, uh, it's, it's nice little. I thought, look, short of uh, resurrecting William Hartnell, that's not bad. Yeah, no kidding. <laughs> and now in the show, they resurrected William Hartnell essentially through David Bradley. So they slightly f me on that one. Yeah, so that's now what? <laughs> that's three three actors now to play the first Doctor. 
Uh, well, there's a lot of answers to that. Yeah. So <laughs> there's been a few. <laughs> William Hartnell. Yeah. Uh, uh, Richard Herndl. Yes. From the Five Doctors. Uh, you now got David Bradley in in this. Uh, you could argue John Guyler uh, in an audio uh, through the fiftieth um, anniversary special. Right, right, yeah. um, you could, at a pinch, argue um, Peter Cushing from the two cinema movies that they did. Oh no! Everyone knows Peter Cushing is the fictional Doctor Who that exists in the Doctor Who fictional universe. Well, he kind of does because it's like they never say first doctor. He doesn't regenerate into anyone else. And even in one of them, I think they say he's human because yeah. they saw sort of, it's it's its own standalone thing. So was I, it, was I, the, I what was the episode uh, that with, with the forest uh, across London where uh, one of the buses, one of the London buses accidentally ended up in the in the TV series and had a Doctor Who ad on it. and But it was kind of in the background. So people on the Internet had to like blow up the image. But you could see uh, I think it was Matt Smith. And uh, and Gillian Anderson were uh, clearly in an ad for Doctor Who. Too bad they didn't like. Instead of you know catching that, they should have had Peter Cushing in the background somewhere. I didn't even know about that. Which episodes? Uh, the the one the one where the trees uh, uh, basically protect the earth from oh, uh, an EMP. in the first of the night. Yes, yes. Uh, look that up. Uh, you look for the stills online where there's uh, there is one of the London bus in the background that happens to have uh, a Doctor Who ad on it. I think they should have done a nod to, you know, Peter Cushing, especially during the timelines where people have experienced the doctor as the president of Earth and know who the doctor is and know about the Daleks, you know, during one of those periods, because I'm sure at some point they're going to forget because maybe, you know, remember when Peter Capaldi was hooked up to that, uh, the global uh, thing in the, uh, the monks episode and he said that, oh, yeah. it'd be wonderful. I can make so many changes. Well, maybe he's wiped himself and all these aliens from everyone's mind. That's my guess. That we might start fresh with Chibnall and nobody knows what dialogues are. Uh, they sort of did that before, though, didn't they? With um, uh, the virus which wiped the Doctor out. And then you've got um, with Matt Smith when the Daleks erased any memory of the Doctor. Yeah, I don't know. They, just... they, they've done it a few times. But, I mean, at some point it's, it is kind of boring to watch, you know, people. Oh, there's aliens again. How rubbish. You know, you want, you want to see people yeah. screaming because the aliens have arrived, you know, and running. <laughs> well, I think they've sort of done that in recent, like, it, it, with every new showrunner, they sort of, I think, fairly enough, without justifying it or running into the show, they just accept that during um, Russell D. Davies' uh, episodes, it was accepted that mankind had you know, seen aliens and they knew what aliens were. Right. And during somewhere during Moffat's run, they've sort of forgotten again because Moffat yeah. decided to write it like that, that we don't know what aliens are and we're shocked by them. And then during Chibnall's, maybe we will, maybe we won't. I yeah. think it's more fun, <laughs> like you say, where we, like each episode's a reset to what mankind knows. So yeah. every new episode, Unit knows about it, but the man on the street does not know about aliens, no matter how ridiculously big yeah. the alien invasion <laughs> was last week. Because it's 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 just more fun that way. And we it's love this confusion because it leaves a lot to your imagination. And uh, especially when it conflicts itself, it leaves it up to you, the the viewer and the listener, to work it out in your own head and have your own you know, ideas about it. It's still a and mystery. Sorry, go. Sorry, I was just saying, Doctor Who is still a mystery, and that's a fantastic after 50 years where other uh, other TV shows yeah. can't last five years without a mystery, and some, like Lost, um, the mystery actually has no solution. <laughs> yeah, I mean, to me, it's like, uh, I find it more takes me out of the show 
more than saying that uh, it's ridiculous that we, from one week to the next, don't know what aliens are when they invaded last week, it's more takes me out of it when they suggest that uh, every human knows what an alien is and we've seen them. Because that isn't what I see walking down the street. Right. I, I know yeah. we don't know what aliens are. So if you're going to make me feel like this is something that could happen... It has to be in a world where we don't know what aliens are, because otherwise it's not the world in which we live. Right. You're in an alternate reality yeah. by design there. So it's I'd rather have a bit of suspension of disbelief every week. Um, but but at, maybe, the, at the same uh, time, they a, have willing, to, sorry. a willingness for humans to not want to see what's right in front of them. Right. And, but at the same time, I'm glad to see with Bill and with the, the, the last series that they're no longer yeah. ignoring the whole fact that in the real world, people know about zombies. People know about, you know, uh, gray aliens and flying saucers and Star Trek and Star Wars. So we've had some references by Bill and, and you know, the doctor and, and, and conversations this year that uh, shows that Bill does know what a, you know, a robot is, a killer robot is and knows what, you know, uh, Star Wars and Star Trek is. You yeah, know, you, you know. yeah, I mean, you, yeah, you have had that before, but not as much. And I, uh, but, but yeah, that's the same thing. I think the only show which ever got away with that and still continues to is The Walking Dead. For some reason, the fact that they've are in a world where zombies don't exist until they start seeing the walkers mm-hmm. works for that show somehow. It doesn't with it. I don't think it works with many other shows, but for that one, for some reason, it works really well. Yeah, absolutely. I think that's any only show where it does. So looking forward to the Christmas special. I know I know you, Dr. Scree, you've been talking about Doctor Who probably for about five or six hours straight now. You were you were Facebook living it before. And w- I do most days, so it's fine. <laughs> well, I don't want to keep you all night. I know it's like four o'clock in the morning or something where you are. It's half past eleven, but yeah, it's a, <laughs> it, it feels like it. I've been working uh, some some crazy shifts recently, but it's all good. I, I'm I'm reinvigorated for talking Doctor Who. It's been a pleasure, and you know what? I think we're gonna we're gonna cut out just now. But I would love to have you back on sometime. I'd love to t- chat Doctor Who with you sometime. It's been great uh, chatting with you, teleprompter, and pretty much uh, casual and unrehearsed here. It's been been a pleasure. Oh, definitely. Thank you very much for having having me on. Yeah, yeah. I'll come back on any time you want, sir. And and, tell- and you, you'll have to come and do my show. Sometime. Oh, I would love to come and do your show sometime. Um, uh, remind the folks again where they uh, all the hooligans and uh, hoovians let's not fight one or the other or both uh, where they can find uh, Gallifrey stands uh, the uh, well the simplest way is Gallifrey stands podcast.com or you can go to uh, Facebook we've got a group and a page the groups usually where most of the conversations happening so I'd, I'd suggest going there and uh, on Twitter it's at Dr. Squee we're also on the tangent bound and EMC uh, Electronic Media Collective Podcast Networks uh, and iTunes and Stitcher and anywhere you find good podcasts. And stay tuned for the Christmas special, folks. It's I, I, I'm, I'm still sure it's going to be a Christmas care, but you never know. It could be It's a Wonderful Life. Either way, it's going to be a great Christmas special. <laughs> yeah, that's for sure. Thanks for joining us, Dr. Squee, and uh, we'll see you again soon. Same book time, same book channel. Thank you very much. Stay tuned, book readers and book listeners. Book Guide Show will return next week. Same book time, same book channel.